On today's brand new episode, I'm talking with former MMA fighter and current co-owner of Easton Training Center in Denver, my new friend, Elliot Marshall. My name's Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Every Day Podcast, a show designed to help driven people build a winning mindset so they can build their winning life. Welcome to the show. Good morning, competitor. Jake here, your Chief Encouragement Officer. So incredibly excited you're here to start the day with me and, of course, my new friend, Elliot, as we get into his story of growing up isolated, growing up alone, learning how to fight, getting into that ring, that octagon, and then what he learned about himself with his battle with severe anxiety and depression and the lessons and legacy he's trying to pay for to his kids. So it's an incredibly impactful conversation today. Just a heads up, if you're one of those folks listening to the episode today with your kids in the car, today has some not for safe, not safe for work type language. So just a heads up, as you're heading into today's episode, you're going to hear a few F-bombs, a few other things rolling on this episode. So be cautious if you want to be intentional with what your audience may hear. Now, as we get into today's brand new episode, I want to encourage you. I want to remind you, I want to tell you, if you want that competitor scorecard, if you want that daily habit tool, that thing that's going to help you continue to show up, be consistent, chip away at those monster goals, and then just get your focus off of your to-do list, off of the never-ending list on that yellow piece of paper, and put it on your actual priorities. All you got to do is head to my website, jakeathompson.com slash scorecard. We'll get you access to my free daily scorecard. It's the same one from my book, but it's an updated version with the start, stop, continue exercise we've talked about here on the show before. So easy to do. All you got to do is head to jakeathompson.com slash scorecard. Get your free scorecard, and then you'll get access to a resources page as well that you can use to keep moving forward, keep chipping away at those monster size goals. Now, let's get into today's episode with former MMA fighter and author of The Gospel of Fire, my new friend, Elliot Marshall. Elliot, welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Jake, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. You bet. Uh, if we were to ever work, walk in the bar and get into a scuffle, I know I would be in good hands uh, if I was with you because you are a bad, bad man being a former MMA fighter and obviously Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, Look, but we would just some, leave. I mean, well, yeah. We would obviously. leave. We would have the confidence to, to just walk out of the door because there's no real reason for any of that. Well, that's and that's the funny part is it's always the guys who have the cooler head or uh, look like they you just casual. They have no desire to fight that are always the most dangerous. Well, because we know such we, there's very high consequences to fighting. Very high. Consequences and, and even for me, right, even for me, somebody who is skilled at fighting, um, it's it's still very dangerous, right? Very like, dangerous. It, it's very dangerous. So to put myself or anybody that I know in a situation like that, uh, would, 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 it would have to be life and death. It, it couldn't be that they called you an asshole or my wife or your wife yeah. a bitch or, you know, you just leave. Yep. You, you just walk out. 
It's the uh, the old adage: better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in the war. Yes. So absolutely. And I think how'd you get of, into fighting? Man, I started when I was six years old. I kicked the lamp when I was a kid. You know, in 1986, when I saw the Karate Kid, and my parents put me into martial arts. Um, how I got into fighting was uh, that's a little bit longer of a story, uh, and it's really interesting that I've just like kind of figured it out, like why I actually fought recently. Um, I was a black Jewish kid that grew up in South Jersey when this wasn't like the, in 19, in the 1980s, when this wasn't so kosher and I had no friends, like I had no one that liked me. And I, and I, you know, I was already doing martial arts and stuff, but I fit in nowhere, uh, for a host of reasons. Some, those social, uh, those social reasons and two, like, man, I, I wanted to fit in and have friends so bad. I tried way too hard, you know, uh, which never works either. So uh, and look, when I say no friends, like it was literally no friends. Like I, I ate lunch by myself, which is, you know, lunchtime in the cafeteria is normally great because you're hanging out with your friends, right? Like, well, that was the worst time for me. So, um, and then what happened was uh, I, my, my friends that I was doing martial arts with, and those were the only friends I had, but they were at karate, right? So I didn't see them until I went to karate, but my school days, no friends, you know, and these were all older people. So I shouldn't even really call them my friends. They were like, yeah, they weren't my, they're my friends now, some of them, because we're all adults, but they were, you know, old, they were, you know, in their mid twenties. Uh, and you were the kid and I was a kid. Right. So they were letting a kid hang out with them basically. Um, so, uh, they started doing this stuff called Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They showed me a little bit, uh, I, you know, enough for me to go be an idiot and start talking about it in high school. When I went back between my summer and junior senior, when we started senior year, some wrestlers challenged me, you know, cause like they knew this jujitsu was like grappling stuff and I beat them. And these kids were state champs. And right there, I started to get a little fame in school. I got a friend, a couple of them, a girl kissed me. And in that moment I equated being able to beat somebody up with having friends and security in the world. Because uh, I guess for my story, like it, uh, when I say I had no friends, it came with more than that. Like, um, like my house was vandalized often as a kid, you know, swastikas all over it. Uh, the first time they would, they spray painted Niger's go home. Like they forgot the other G. Uh, uh, so uh, that was my life. But then it was like, oh, Elliot beat some people up, but I didn't really beat him up, right? Because like it was agreed upon. It wasn't like a real fight fight. But in that moment, I was like, oh my God, if I can do this, then, uh, then people will like me. So I know you probably weren't expecting an answer like that for why I fought, but that's, that's why I fought. I mean, I wouldn't say I wasn't expecting it. I, I would say from the standpoint of we all have those things that... Yeah. We chase for me it was football. Right. Football made you popular. Right. People like that. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get that. So obviously, though, you continue to pursue it past high school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, talk about me. Talk about when you, I guess, decided to really pursue it for a while. And then I want to talk about that transition afterwards, because yeah. I know from personal experience, when your identity is all in that and yeah. that ends, there is a journey that you got to go through. That's usually a pretty painful one. <laughs> um when did i decide to pursue it full-time probably my sophomore year of high school okay i'm sorry my sophomore year of college uh my girlfriend had just broken up with me i went to college you know i got a real girlfriend for the first time and 
that was amazing, right? Like, uh, who doesn't like that? And, uh, but then she broke up with me and I was all sad. And, you know, I, I heard about, you know, the jujitsu school that had opened. And so I went down there and I was like, Hey, can I clean? Can, is, is there any way that I could clean and trade for tuition? Cause I'm broke. And he was like, man, I'm all, you know, my, my now business partner was like, man, it's your lucky day. My cleaner literally just quit. And like the funny thing is now I'm the owner, right? With him. So you yep. can go from cleaner to owner, no problem. <laughs> what, is, what is the experience like fighting? And I say that from a standpoint of, you know, there's the respect. And in that sport, there's a lot of respect between who you're going into the cage with um, or the octagon, the ring. And, but there's also like, I, I got to tear your head off. Yeah. You're willing to, moment. you're willing to kick. Yeah. You're willing to yeah. kill the other person. Like, you know, yeah. that you might have to split their head open, rearrange their face and change them for their entire life. Yeah. Well, so yeah. So from a, I would say from a separation standpoint, how did you separate or did you separate the mindset when you stepped into the ring versus when you were outside of it? So I was very unskillful with my mindset while competing professionally. Um, it's what ended up probably getting me out and then driving me to really work on it was this, this you know, painful breakdown that you talked about. Uh, but what you have to do is you have to make it solely focused on you. Okay, so when, when you, the, the real fight is with yourself. The real fight, the, the other person is just the vehicle. The cage is just the vehicle. You know, like that's the thing you have to like get in and it will take you there. But the real fight is to see whether you can overcome you. That's the thing, you know, and the yes, then there is this duality of you got to go beat somebody else up. Yeah, and when I think about it, when I think about that, I mean, not only that duality piece of it, but when most people get into a fight, whether you're talking a school playground or in a ring, a lot of people see red. And your emotions and, and everything kind of takes over in that moment with adrenaline. But if you do that in such a technically driven sport, you put yourself in a bad position to get beat because technique and strategy and everything goes out the window. And so for you, I, I know you had incredible success. Was there, how did you control that beast? I would say the, the rage aspect that can come I never up had when you it. hit. That's awesome. I never had it. My wife, my, you know, my wife, wonders like like how like like because she has that like you know she has an interesting story about getting into fights a lot in high school um, they actually kicked her out when she was 16 um for too many fights uh, but that's that's a whole other story um, uh i needed to see more red probably you know i i, I was too afraid i am uh I, I'm a mathematical brain. Like when I went to, yeah. when I, when I went to college, uh, I got a math degree, right? I have a math, I have a, I have a BA in math. So numbers never lie. Like they never fucking lie. So, uh, and I was going to be an actuary. Like when I, I, when I first went into college. So, and that's all about like assessing risk. So my brain really, if you ever seen uh, along came Polly with Ben Stiller yep. and Jennifer Aniston, right? Like I'm very um, Ben Stiller ish. So, and that you're like, dude, you fought, that doesn't compute, right? Because it's all risk. So I couldn't get myself to let go of the risk and actually be in a moment other than for a couple of times, a couple of times I found the moments, you know? Uh, and other than that, I just, I really wasn't that good of a fighter. 
And I, I know that's probably, uh, you're like, what are you talking about? Um, but for me, I wasn't that good of a fighter. Let me ask you part of that, that thought process on it as I know when you you've transitioned out about 11 years ago, um, part of that process of just going through the journey. And I want to ask you a little bit uh, about kind of how you started to separate that identity. But one of the things I'm really interested by is when you're always assessing risk and looking at from that standpoint, you talked about needing more of kind of that rage uh, aspect. How do you handle or process your emotions maybe then versus now as someone? Because I think you and I will think very similarly in terms of I will very analytically, let's make a plan, let's look at attack. But that also from an emotional health standpoint can be unhealthy too. So I'm curious from your end, how you've kind of learned to balance those two. So I am a person who uh, suffers, you know, or, you know, can experience very acute and intense anxiety. And I have my entire life because of this, uh, this black Jew thing growing up, right? Uh, my, my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. And I spent my questions. Yeah, I spent a lot of time with them. So uh, the worst was always coming. Always. Hitler was coming again. There's there was food in their basement from 1979. And we're talking it's 1995. Now, people weren't allowed around us because they would turn you into the Nazis. My dad, you know, being black, if you look at it, he grew up doing civil rights, you know, so he saw that transition. The world was not safe in either one of their perspectives. The world was not safe and it wasn't rightfully so, right? Like very rightfully so. So this created some terribleness for me. This created, so along with my natural inclination to risk assess, this created a, oh my God, sensation. So that is why I did not fight well, you know, and uh, how I learned how to get over that uh, came with, you know, this what I like to call mental breakdowns, that spiritual awakening after fighting, you know, when you had put all of your eggs in this basket of fighting and then uh, you're not the best, you're not the champion, you didn't make millions and you have to do something else with your life. So um, I was very lucky that I didn't have to transition too far. I'm still in martial arts in, in what it is I love to do. Uh, but what it really came down to for me is I had to ask some questions. Who am I? What, is it, what does it mean to be Elliot? You know, and, and these are things that I, I really, this is something that I really, really, really focus on is uh, what, what does that mean? When I say I am Elliot, can I put some definitions to that, point at them, and then just go? Let me ask you, I know the, the oh my God, and, and, you know, the risk assessment came from how you grew up and what mm-hmm. you saw firsthand through your parents. Talk to me a little bit though. I'd love to hear some of the positive and productive that that unique oh, yeah. family history has given you a different perspective than a lot of other people. Everything I have in my life, I consider blood money from the Holocaust for my grandfather because He's the one that got this all started for us. So everything I have, I, I have to, I have to make sure I, uh, I have to hold up that, that legacy for him and for them. So that has made me an incessant worker. I, I'm not athletic. I am not athletic at all. I can work. I, I got to the UFC 
purely on my ability to outwork everyone. Now, the champions have the athletic ability along with that. If that, right? Like the best yep. in the world have, have both. I didn't have both. I, I had the work uh, and I can just do the work. I can do the work and I can suffer. So that has, and, and that is tied back to my father who grew up very, very poor, you know, you know, poor to the point where, you know, they were heating their water to take baths and stuff on the stove. There was no hot water heater. Um, and my grandparents who were Holocaust survivors. So uh, there's some very, very positives to that. You know, there's some very, very positives to that. I would also say probably your perspective on the discomfort of training and work is very different knowing what real pain and discomfort looks like through their eyes or through their yeah. stories. Look, you know, everyone, you know, I'm, I'm going to relate it to somebody else, you know, who, who people think who, who was an amazing athlete in Lance Armstrong. Uh, and please like get over the steroid thing because everyone was taking them. Yep. <laughs> right. So um, when you're riding up that mountain, and you're like, this is all I've got. I'm going to die. Lance can go, nope, this is really, really hard, but it ain't death. <laughs> you know, so yeah. he can push a little more. It wasn't, it wasn't steroids that made him great. It was that ability. Is that ability to know that there was something closer to death or this suffering and pain than what I'm feeling currently. So I can, I have more and that's a mental thing. That's a mindset thing. That's a thing that you, that you then take and move for, for guys like you and I now into other parts of your life, you know, and from that, the lessons of fighting, the lessons of football, you know, cause really, uh, you were, uh, what, when, when did you play football? What did you play? Man, quarterback hung him up back in Oh two. Okay. Yeah, so who, it's who been a while, the, but the lessons who were... Who won the Super Bowl in 2001? Who was the MVP? Say, that's a great question. I know 2000 was the Ravens just because of that defense, but right. I couldn't tell. 01, was it the Rams? I don't fucking know either. Yeah, who was the I'm MVP? guessing Rams and then Pats were 2002. I mean, the yeah. best bet is the Pats and Tom Brady was the MVP yeah. just because of odds, right? But yeah. you're just guessing. We're just yeah. guessing here. But you were so engulfed in football. Football was yep. your whole life, Right. It was your whole life, but you can't tell me who the best was. You know, you probably yeah. couldn't tell me who won the Super Bowl MVP five years ago. Yeah, no, couldn't. I'd have to sit down. You'd and have think to sit down and think two. and look and yada yada. Me too. I love football too, and I can't tell you either. I watched the Super Bowl. Um, so how important can it be? Yep. How meaningful can it actually be? This this game, this thing that we all do, this getting on the mat and doing jujitsu and martial arts. How important? How much does it really matter? unless it does something to our life, unless it, unless it makes us do life better. And then we go out in the world and we start giving to the world. You know, you start giving to the world, giving more and giving more and like almost competing in a way with yourself every day to see if you can be not, not better than, I don't need to be better than you, you know? And I don't even want to compare myself to you in this competition because you're, we're not playing with the same deck of cards. Yep. And I think this is a big thing that we have a problem with is it looks like we're playing with the same deck of cards. How, how old are you? Hey, 39. Okay. I'm 42, right? So we're the same age. 
right? We're in the same industry. We podcast and, and we both wrote a book and, you know, we, we, we do this personal growth thing, yada, yada. It looks like we're competing against ourselves, but we're not, man. You started somewhere way different than I did. So I'm really only trying to compete against me. And if I can do that, if I can really hone that in and go give to the world and then figure out what the world then gives back to me in return, you know, because we can't just give, you have to realize the, the narcissism in it. You have to realize that you do need something back too. Yeah. I, and, and obviously that preaches right to what we're all about with that me versus me mentality. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you in terms of that competing against yourself growth. I know you got out of the, the ring 11 years ago. You joined, obviously you partnered up to help open Easton Training Center there in mm -hmm. Denver. Mm -hmm. But it was about five, six years ago, you're kind of, you went through a roller coaster internally. Mm -hmm. Was that, first, I want to kind of ask you about that, especially with depression is, is dealing with that mental internal struggle that a lot of people go with and nobody can kind of see it. Mm -hmm. Was part of that the transition out of being that fighter into that coach role? Was it being the owner? Or what happened there? And really, when did you start to realize it from a self-awareness standpoint that something was going on? I mean, it came to a head for me in 2016, February, March of 2016. Um, uh, I didn't sleep for five days straight. I was panicking, racing, pa pacing my house. It was, it was brutal. Um, and that lasted, you know, uh, and then I had to get help. You know, I, I had to get like real, real help. I didn't get committed or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky. You know, uh, one of my best friends is a doctor. And um, it was a Friday night when it hit, hit its head you know, came to like, you know, when I was like, Oh my God, I can't handle this. And how many people can call their doctor on a Friday night at 5 PM, yeah. you know? And he went immediately into taking care of me immediately. Right. I needed some meds right there. I needed to calm down. I needed to get put to sleep a little bit with some, you know? Um, and, and that happened, you know, and that happened for me. So, uh, and then I was able to get a therapist and then I have a great support system and, and I was able to work my way through this. Now, what did, why did it happen? Well, uh, if I was the best in the champion back to the first story that I told, well, then I would be safe in the world and people would like me, you know, that nobody's going to actually like me for Elliot. They're only going to like me for this, this other fake stuff that I was this bravado, this toughness, all of this thing that I was trying to scream to the world to hide down all these insecurities and weaknesses and, and, and shitty feelings I had about myself. Um, and that crumbled. We, and, and everyone got to see it crumble live on TV. Uh, and I wasn't the best. So now who am I? Right? So now who am I? And then I had to start answering that question. And that's a journey a lot of people avoid for their entire lives. It's very painful. It's very painful because the journey never ends. You never quite get there. Like I know exactly who I am, like that, that. But uh, you, you always have to. Uh, I, you always have to be self-reflective. You know, you. Uh, for me, I have to shoot at this unattainable goal. You know, and and uh, and what that goal is is like I have young boys as children. They're twelve and nine. So I am a superhero to them. I'm about to not be for my 12 year old. Right. Um, but in their minds, their dad is a superhero in every part of the way. I'm the strongest. I'm the biggest. I'm the toughest. I'm everything. So my goal every day is to be the man that they think I am.
in every sense of the word, how I work, how I go to work, how I show up in relationships, how I treat their mother, which is still my wife, you know, in, in every sense of the word, I want to be the man that, that they think I am. And I know it's not possible. I know it's not, but I sure can fucking try, bro. And not only that, and by trying, so you're showing them the example of who they can grow up and be. I'm showing them what hard work looks like. I'm trying to show them what love, first of all, I'm trying to show them what love works like, looks like that's number one. What does it, what does it look like to truly love somebody and, and, and care? The next thing uh, I believe is safety, but my kids are inherently safe because I'm successful. Right. And we have a good home and all of that. So uh, what's next after that is I look at it two ways. You either grow up in like the South side of Chicago or Compton or something terrible like that, in which case your parents need to try to make your life easier. Okay. Or uh, you have my kids and my job is to create difficulty at a certain level that they can then overcome and feel like, Oh my God, look at what I can do so that they can really start to believe that the impossible is possible. And once you believe this, once you believe that the impossible is possible, the sky is the limit for you. Yeah. But the only, the only way we do that though, is through overcoming challenges, Mm -hmm. small, and then increasingly versus looking for the easy path, which is what happens to a lot of parents of the goal is to always you know, you want to provide a better future for your kids than you had. But at the same time, the challenge is how do you make it as challenging, if not more so? Somewhere this shift got made with parenting, and I don't know when it happened, but we, we, we took our children's failures as our failures. Oh, yeah. my kid played a bad game. Uh, I suck. You know, oh, the teach, he got in trouble at, at school. And all of a sudden it's the teacher's fault because if, if my kid got in trouble, he's a bad kid and then I'm a bad parent. And yep. so somewhere this happened and I don't know where it happened, you know, excuse me. I'll tell you who it's not fault and who we blame it all. on. we blame it all on these young kids. It's not their They're fault. Right. We raised them, yep. right? We're, we're the one who showed them all of this. So at some point that happened. So, uh, it's not, it's, it's my job to create the failure for my children, you know, and then be there for them like a rock and, and someone who truly loves them so that they can learn how to overcome, not so that I can overcome for them yep. in this process. You know, a lot of, you know, my friend likes this one story that I tell a lot of dishes get broken. Because my kids started putting dishes away when my youngest was two years old, two or three, maybe. They break. I think I had to replace all of the dishes, (laughs) right? Because they can't do it. And it would be so much easier for me just to do it, right? It's so much easier. But is it really? Yeah. They're not learning. Is it really? And I have to replace these dishes. And I have to not get mad at them. I have to show them, okay, well, you broke it because of this. Let's try to do it like this. You know, there's a video of me. Uh, we, we joke about it, like uh, <laughs> standing there, watching them, directing them how to do all the dishes. <laughs> and my they, wife's like, uh, as they grow up, their roommates, uh, future spouses are going to be so incredibly excited though. I'm not even concerned with their roommates or their future spouses. I'm, I am solely concerned with them and them 
totally learn. I got the joke, sorry. And them totally yeah. learning how to think that they can't do something like put the dishes away, something so simple and then see that they can. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that, that's no different than, you know, I laugh, my dad teaching me when I was growing up bagging ice and stocking a cooler at the, our little gas station in small Texas town. Can you do it wrong? Nope. We got to do it this way. And this is why we do it this way. And here's how you do it until your hands are frozen or in the cooler. Yeah. You, you learn, but you also going through the process, you learn, I can do this and you learn the value of hard work and doing things right. You learn the value of consequence, right? You learn the value of consequence. You left the light on, right? As a child, I don't turn the light off for my kids. They, I don't care. Hey, come up here, dad. Can't you do it? You're standing right there. Of course I can do it, but that doesn't do anything for you. Yep. Right. That doesn't teach you consequence, you know, and we've taken all of this away from our children. You know, we've taken all of this away. And at the same time, I do believe we have, you know, uh, mostly these men in the world who are screaming how tough they are and they're not competing every day. They did something in their past. And now they're just sitting there going, look at what I did. You know, therefore I still am. Yep. And that's not the case either. That's no. not, you, you have to go earn it every day. And there's, I was about saying, there's so much from those screaming for attention of trying to be validated mm-hmm. from something they did a long time ago or from the talk instead of just, how are you putting down the head, your head, doing the work and letting the work speak for itself? Mm-hmm. Are you not always seeking validation from others, but from the person you see in the mirror? There's a, there is a whole mess out there around that for sure. One of the things is, as we start to wrap up today, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about is more about your book, Gospel yeah. of Fire. And I know really it's about kind of freeing yourself from fear, really learning to maximize your opportunities. Give me just a snapshot for someone listening. Who is the book? Who's the best person to pick this up? Who needs to read this? Who's that person that if somebody listening is them or knows them is the perfect one to get that book in their hand? I'm going to go a different direction with the book to start. I fucking hate that book, man. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that book. Not, not because I had to read it so much and all that. I just feel like, uh, feel like I've moved so much from that book, you know? So you you look back on, you look back on your work from four years ago and you're embarrassed by it. You know, I'm embarrassed by my first hundred podcasts. They're awful. As Uh, they should be though. Yeah. I I wish I, I want to take them down. I literally want to take them down, but I won't. Don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. I know I won't. I won't, you know, I'm embarrassed by that book, but it has helped some other people. And it has, and I will say, if you're struggling, grab that book. Because yes, I fought in the UFC. And yes, I have a good life. And yes, all of these things are true. And uh, it still comes for me. The devil still comes. He still comes to knock on my door. Look, he's coming a little bit right now. You know, I'm a little jet lagged and this is my kryptonite. My kryptonite is this poor sleep for what I deem no reason. And I'm in three days of it right now. You know, and my wife literally just said something to me. She, you know, was supposed to have dinner with some friends uh, and, and we're like cramming it in because 
they're going away, having a baby and we're going, we have, you know, so we're, we're making yep. it happen. And she's like, why don't we just cancel on them? But my brain doesn't work like that. My brain does still work how that book says it needs to. I cannot let the circumstances of how I feel dictate what I will do. And once I go down that rabbit hole, once I go down the, oh, okay, I'll cancel on them because I'm tired. You know, when I feel this devil coming to say hello, which he is right now, even like today, yesterday, I have to do Elliot. I have to, and I can't just be cancel my day and sit on the couch and worry or not if I'm going to sleep at night because I didn't sleep the last night or the night before sleep is my devil, right? Sleep is my thing. So whatever your thing is, depression, anxiety, worry about something else, you have to say hello to it. And I'm trying to do it right now, right? I'm telling the world about, it. I'm telling you about it right now, that this is not, it's not always cupcakes and rainbows for me, but that's okay. That's okay. I can make a different choice than to let that overcome, than to let that be what takes me over. And I can make a, a choice to, you know what, Elliot, just do right now. Just do this podcast with Jake. You don't have to worry about what happens at three o'clock today. Just do the podcast with Jake. And if you do the podcast with Jake and you do it to the best of your ability, then okay, great. Then another thing will come and just handle that, you know? And then at, at midnight or 3 a.m. when you're freaking out and sleeping and not sleeping, if that's the case, well, then you'll deal with that too because you've always dealt with that. Skillfully, maybe not always. Who cares? The best you could deal with it in that moment. Deal with it when it arrives right now, be here in the now. And I love yep. that. And for, for those listening, it's all around your choices. What choice are you going to make regardless of how you feel? We talk about control and the controllables. And that was a beautiful just illustration of how you're continuing to do it and not letting how you feel determine how you show up, but, but your choices and, and really more than anything, who you want to be and who you want your kids to see. Yeah. Elliot, man, this has been a lot of fun. Where is the best social media for folks to follow and connect with you? And then where can we get them connected online with your book? Even for though sure. you may hate it, it sounds yeah. like you still make an impact. Um, can I add one more thing to what you just yeah. said a second ago? Look, I think we all fall short sometimes too. We don't show up how we want to be. Yes, I do go down the rabbit hole of like, get letting the anxiety take, take over. Right. And then I'm sure you do with your shortcomings and your uh, not so skillful things as well. Right. Yep. Uh, that, that ha we're not perfect. I don't want anybody to ever listen to anything I say and be like, Oh man, that guy's got it figured out. I don't, you know, like I, I have to regroup and come back and get some help. And, you know, so uh, no one has it all figured out. You know, it's the process of, so I did want to add that caveat. Those yeah. are my steps that I take, but I fuck it up all the time. So I love it. Yeah. Success in life is not about being perfect. It's about how quickly and effectively we respond to our imperfections, right? Realizing it, resetting. And then, as you said, getting help when I need it. So and getting back on the path. Yep. That's right. So. That's right. All right, my man, where yeah. can we get connected yeah. with you? Cause I the know some folks will definitely want to follow along. The best place uh, on social media is Fire Marshal 205 on Instagram. I'm not 205 anymore. So please don't make fun of me for, for, for being a little heavier. <laughs> um, so uh, that Instagram, I always answer. I'm trying to get into this LinkedIn thing. Uh, I'm trying to do better at LinkedIn. So uh, if you hit me up in there, I'm really trying to answer there too. I have my website, ElliotMarshall.com, where you can listen to my podcast. The book is there. Uh, I have a, you know, how to start your day, you know, routine that I share with everybody for free. So, uh, 
if uh, one of the things that I'm really trying to get into is the uh, not trying to, I am is keynote speaking, you know, like going out motivational speaking, keynote speaking. So um, there's a page for my speaking on that website, elliotmarshall.com, submit the contact form. And then, uh, man, I would love to, uh, to speak more. So if there's an opportunity out there for me, I would greatly appreciate it. Let's, uh, you and I need to jam on that offline sometime. Happy to okay. add some value where I can on it. But dude, really appreciate you investing the time. I know we bounced this around a few times trying to get our schedules to connect, but very honored that you invested the time today. And I know it was an incredible conversation for the listeners. So thanks for coming. Man, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.